If somebody's arrogant, if somebody brings an ego to the table, if somebody shuts other people down, if somebody comments after everybody comments at staff meeting, if somebody always gets their way and they think it's because they have the best ideas, but it's actually because they're just disagreeable, we have to deal with that arrogance. We can't let it go undiscussed. This is the Military Sherpa Podcast. Left, right, left leadership insights from America's best. With your Military Sherpa, Mark Tilsher. Welcome back to the Military Sherpa Podcast. I am your host, Mark, and today's episode starts a string of episodes that are going to be focused on developing others. And some of the concepts I know I've talked about in the past on the show, but we're going to talk about them in a different light, or at least tie them together in a way that makes them relevant to the topic of developing others. And today I want to be touching on a book by Patrick Lencioni called The Ideal Team Player. And I attribute a lot of my success to the book, The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lencioni. And I'm going to share with you some of the reasons why. But why I want to start with this book is there are so many different aspects when it comes to developing others. And often we tend to focus on the things that we can measure. We tend to focus on skill set, sometimes on leadership and followership. But generally speaking, we're focusing on the tangible things that we can measure. And the ideal team player really focuses on the intangibles, the X factor, the feeling that we have when we're with people that maybe we've never fully articulated ourselves or never really been able to put words to. And the coolest thing happened when I was an Airman Leadership School Commandant was that towards the end of my tenure there, even though I had a very diverse staff, my staff, the diversity of my staff represented the diversity of the Air Force. And so if we think about it in terms of like gender demographics and racial demographics, and we didn't consider those necessarily in the hiring process, but somehow my school represented diversity wise, the demographics of the Air Force in general. That being said, the people that were on my team towards the end of my career, the end of my, my tenure there, they all started to feel like very much like they could have been raised by the same parents. And it didn't mean that they were like me because they certainly were not and they had different interests and different backgrounds, but the X factor, the qualities that they brought to the table when you were in the room with them, there was something very similar about their character. And there were three words inside of the ideal team player. The focus of this book is that, hey, we should be hiring people to three different categories. Or in our case, often in the military, we don't have an opportunity to hire people. So we develop people to these three categories. And those three categories are hunger, humility, and people smarts. And if we're going to define them, when we look at humility, humility is more or less knowing our limitations. We're not perfect. We're fallible. We don't know everything. We may not always have the best ideas. It's being open to feedback. It's being open to growth. Hunger is demonstrating work ethic. You could think of hunger and work ethic as being really tied closely together. It's drive. It's this desire not only to improve ourselves, but to improve the organization, to do better and to take us to higher and higher heights. You want to do something with your life and with the time that you've been giving, been given. And then last is people smarts. And people smarts is really social intelligence. We think about emotional intelligence. I would take emotional intelligence and nest it underneath people intelligence, people smarts. And so it's emotional intelligence, but it's also things like social intelligence, being able to navigate complex interpersonal situations. And the same that we, way that we take the core, which will be an episode, probably three or four episodes from now, we take the core and its uh, intellectual quotient, emotional intelligence and self-awareness, this idea of humility, hunger, and people smart, we can then diagram this. And if you can take the scores in each of these areas, seven, eight, nine, whatever it is, and we can aggregate them in the center, I can start to give you a picture of the person that you're going to be dealing with. 
And when it comes to humility, I don't have to explain to you the importance of having somebody humble on your team. In fact, at my schoolhouse, this was the gate. And in three years, only one person ever fooled me. And the reason is because when you buy this book by Patrick Lencioni, he actually includes interview questions that make it very difficult for people to lie, make it very easy for you to get to the heart of who they are. And so I had one person in three years who kind of fooled me on humility. But if you have to make one your gate, the one that nobody gets through the door, unless they're humble, humble is the one. And I'll tell you why in a second. But humility is this idea of esteeming the team higher than ourselves, right? The team goals trump our personal goals. And if somebody's humble, we can develop them, we can teach them, we can train them. It goes a long way. Hunger, I can't overstate the ability or the necessity of hunger on the individuals on our teams. Do you want slouches? Do you want high performers? If you want hungry, high performers, then we either need to hire them or we need to develop them. And hunger, in my estimation, is the hardest one. Even above humility, hunger is the hardest one to develop in others. And then last, the people smart. This people smart is the one that if you had to drop one, you would drop this one. Because if somebody is humble, but they're not people smart, we can certainly grow them towards that. They don't get to be not people smart forever, but there are ways to improve people smarts more dramatically than there are ways to improve humility and hunger. And one of the reasons why Dave Ramsey gets asked quite often, hey, how do you hire such amazing or how do you grow and develop such amazing people? And he always gives basically the same answers, which is, hey, we don't develop amazing people. We hire amazing people and then we grow them into you know, being productive members of our organization. But on my Airman Leadership School team, I told you that, hey, they all could have been raised by the same parents or that they all had the same character. And it's because when I hired them, and I don't know how often I share this publicly, but when I hired them, I actually didn't look at their records. And I would have people that would encounter me like in parking lots and they'd be like, how do I get into your schoolhouse? How do I, how do I become a, an instructor at your school? You know, what do I need to be doing for my records? And I said, look, at, I, and I would say it timidly because sometimes I was kind of embarrassed by it. But I'd say, look, I, I don't actually look at records. If you come into my office for an interview, I assume that you're qualified. Why else would you be there? And this was during the developmental special duty, the DSD phase in the Air Force. And so people would come into my office. I just assume that they met all the qualifications, right? How could they not have? So there's a process for it. They had to be vetted. They had to go up and the wing would nominate to the Air Force and the Air Force would kick back names and blah, 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 blah. And so if everybody was qualified, what's the differentiator? Do I want it to be degrees? Do I want it to be programs led to it? No. I want the differentiator to be humble, hungry, people smart. I want humble people in my organization. I want hungry people in my organization. I want people smart people in my organization. Nothing else mattered to me. There's a certain baseline level of qualifications. And sometimes it kind of caught me by surprise because like I had one of my instructors who was like, man, I never thought I'd get hired here. I had a DUI. And this was after, you know, I, I had known him for a year as a, a member of my cadre and I was like you had a DUI like in my head I said that because obviously I should know that it was in his records and but he still got hired and what a great testament to his students because he was a spectacular instructor and now he has a great story because I didn't let his records blind me it wasn't purely laziness by the way that I didn't read their records it's it's truly because they're qualified why should I read their records they're all qualified records don't paint me a picture of a person and so I hired based on humble hungry and people smart and when people would come in my office and we would do feedback sessions we would always do this blind reveal which i've talked about before rank yourself one to ten and you can use this for anything but i would use it very often for humble hungry people smart and i would have them rank themselves one to ten in each of the areas i would rank them one to ten and then we would talk about why there was a gap hey i think you're a three you're, you think you're a seven i think you're a nine you think you're a two like why the gap and then okay how do we get you closer to ten not why are you a three, but how do we get you closer to 10 or how do we get you to 10 so that next time we're together, we both think you're a 10. 
not just you, not just me. And the importance of that blind reveal is you can lie to yourself, but if you know that you're going to have to share your scores with the group, it's very difficult for you to lie, especially to yourself, because you're going to pop it on the table and you know I'm going to ask you to defend it. So you're going to have to be honest. And then if there's a self-awareness gap, either I'm wrong, which is potentially possible, or they're wrong, which of course is potentially possible as well. And so the idea is, is we do this blind reveal and then we talk about developable towards it. And so what I want to do with the remainder of this episode is I want to talk to you about a few ways that you can build. It's very difficult to build humble, hungry, and people smart. It's very tough to do. But there are some ways that you can do it. So if you're looking at someone and you're ranking them 1 to 10, they're ranking you 1, whatever it is, and you're ready to start developing them, I'm going to give you some ways that you can build hunger into people. Not always easy to do. And then we'll talk about humility and people smart. So the first one, when it comes to building hungry people, the first thing is you've got to set challenging goals for them. If somebody is not hungry, you cannot allow them to be complacent. Somebody who's not hungry, someone who has slothfulness or a low work ethic in their DNA, unfortunately, you're going to have to set high goals for them, challenging goals for them. And then you're going to have to hold them ruthlessly accountable. And then on the back end, obviously, there's got to be a lot of reward to that. And the more we communicate that reward on the front end, if we know what motivates them, sometimes we can certainly help and, and, and make that more productive. But we've got to set challenging goals. If somebody is not hungry, then we have to communicate to them. Hey, look, I want to see you step it up. I want to see you move forward. And we can't leave it at that. Let's talk about that big goal. We've got to encourage a growth mindset. People that don't have high hunger, they also typically don't have a growth mindset. And so we have to push them to develop and we have to create an environment where development is easy. Right now, my team, we're high performers. I want to be at the highest level of performance. And I had read uh, that CEOs read an average of roughly 56 books a year. And so my team right now, I'm challenging them to read a book a week. And so every week we're reading a book together. And right now, Carlos, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, he's been doing it with me for about three weeks. And now the rest of my team is starting to roll in as well. And these are just one of the ways, like if we can read 52 books a year, we're going to be in a phenomenal place. Most people don't read 52 books after high school or after college. And we're going to read 52 books this year alone. And I already see a difference in my life and the way that I'm managing my team and my family and the way that my brain is working and the depth that I can get to with students and people that I'm coaching because I'm building on my, my level of knowledge in every area of my life. And we have four different categories of books that we're reading so that we can get a, a good balanced education and expand our growth mindset. But we have to challenge and push and really move forward and, and do it and, and have accountability baked in. And then we need to provide opportunities for people to learn, opportunities for them to be developed. And so it's not enough to set challenging goals. We've got to work with them and let them know, hey, there's high support on the back end of this equation as well, not just high challenge. But if somebody's not hungry, the number one thing we need to do for them is push them big goals, big accountability and ride them all the way to the finish line. And if we're willing to do that, then we can at least up their work ethic because their pain tolerance or their pain aversion is often going to be much stronger than their reward aversion. When it comes to humility, humility can be a very tough one. And the, the nuclear scenario, the worst case scenario, Patrick Lencioni talks about this, is when we let someone in our organization who's very people smart and not very humble because this person can wreck your organization, they can wreak havoc behind the scenes. They're very socially sophisticated. And often we don't know what they're doing to get their way and to manipulate others. And then we're left with a big fat mess that we have to clean up. But when somebody's not humble, the number one thing that we can do is first, we can't let that slide. 
If somebody's arrogant, if somebody brings an ego to the table, if somebody shuts other people down, if somebody comments after everybody comments at staff meeting, if somebody always gets their way and they think it's because they have the best ideas, but it's actually because they're just disagreeable, we have to deal with that arrogance. We can't let it go undiscussed. And we're going to talk next week a little bit more about trust and how we do some of these things. But truly, we can't let it go unaddressed. The degree to which we let it go unaddressed, it will grow like a weed and it will get worse. People will shut down more around them and that person will continue to take that as a sign because that's what tyrants do. They push and push and push until they get resistance. And if they never get resistance, they take everything. And so that's what we have to do. We have to stop it in its tracks. And to do that, first, we have to have a high degree of trust with them. And if we don't, then we have to be willing to be forceful and disagreeable with accountability and hold them ruthlessly accountable. But we have to model this as a leader. We have to be humble ourselves. And then we have to create a culture where humility is revered above arrogance. And that means that we don't simply celebrate individual wins, which is what we often do, or the occasional team win. But we celebrate things like teamwork. And sometimes we do this by simply calling attention to it. Man, I'm really proud of you guys. Or we make partnerships a focus of our development. Man, this project's really tough. Can you two tackle this for me? Oh man, I really love how you guys are working together. Man, this is the model. The more that we pour sunshine and sunlight and fertilizer and water onto things, the more of it we'll get. So the more that we reward something, the more people will do it. So we got to celebrate teamwork and collaboration and highlight it just as much as we highlight other individual wins. Collaboration needs to reign supreme. It's agile, collaborative teams that win the day, not individual performance. And agile, collaborative performers will outperform single high performers if the culture and if the environment allows them to do so. And when it comes to people, smart people, men, prioritize self-awareness. I can't think of a better way than doing programs like ours, right? Five voices, five gears, the giant toolkit sessions, prioritizing things like that and, and making, the, making the language common on your team, things like that are crucial to developing self-awareness in others. But it's also asking really good questions. And often I have to do this with my children, but it applies equally well to my team. Hey, how do you think they responded to that? How do you think that felt to them? Hey, earlier during the meeting, you said this. What do you think people thought of that? Hey, let me give you a little peek behind the curtain. And I had to do this once with one of my ALS instructors, and it was a very simple conversation. And I just said, hey, have you ever noticed that during meetings you always start with, here's what I do? When people have a problem, it's always, here's what I do. Well, here's what I do. Well, here's what I do. How do you think people receive that? And it, it didn't take a very long conversation. The very next day, he started saying, hey, have you thought about this? Hey, here's an idea. Hey, could I, could I make a suggestion? And all of a sudden, people were more receptive to his feedback than they were the previous day when it was all, here's what I do. Here's what I do. Arrogance, arrogance, pride, pride, arrogance, pride. And so we have to teach people interpersonal skills. We can't assume that they're just going to learn them, that they're going to grow into them. We have to teach them. And if we don't know them ourselves, we can't give away that which we don't possess, which is why all of us should be Military Sherpa certified coaches. Any leader in your organization, any sub-leader in your organization needs to go through our four-day, five-day, three-day program. If you haven't been through our program, what is, what, what is going on? What are you waiting for? MilitarySherpa.com. Email me, mark at marktilsher.com. Let's talk about it. Let's get you and your team into the program. It's the first step. All of these things are things that we cover in our program. How do we grow healthy, high-performing people? How do we optimize the human weapon system? It's covered. Let us develop your subleaders so that they can do these things on your behalf and you don't have to put your brain power to them. 
I hope this episode was enjoyable for you. I hope that it opened up some insights. Great book, The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lencioni. I highly, highly recommend it. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Military Sherpa Podcast with Mark Tilshire.